Today is the day in which we celebrate the day of Pentecost. Today is the day in which when the Bible says in Malachi 3 that we're to return unto him, and when we do, he'll return unto us and open the windows of heaven, we know that today is the day of the second time of the year that we bring him a first fruit. The Bible says, how do we return unto you? And he says, return unto me with tithes and an offerings. Three times a year, we're to come before the Lord. There are three. Look at me. Look at me. Pay very close attention. There are three times a year. No other time. Three times a year. If we miss that appointed time because we were too busy or because nobody told us, or because this or that happened, it doesn't matter. That's what it means when it says the windows of heaven. Now, I've always been taught and I've always thought that that means that there's a window of heaven over me 24-7, and when I get to the time that I want to respond to God and obey God, then he'll open that window. But that's the Christian mentality. we got to go to the Bible mentality. Three times a year, and I've used this so many times, just like um, blind Bartimaeus at the gates of Jericho. That was Bartimaeus's window. There was never another time that Jesus came by the gates of Jericho. And Bartimaeus cried out, and that window of heaven opened over him. But the wonderful thing is, it wasn't a daily window. Once they opened up that window, That blessing that Jesus put on Bartimaeus was on him the rest of his life. This is the truth that will come and set us free. So this, this day is a day in which we bring the first fruit. And to be honest with you, the, the, the reason I started studying this was because years ago I wanted to see prosperity come on God's people. And so when I've been teaching this about first fruits for years because this is the time we bring a wheat offering and God opens the window of heaven and he pours on us prosperity. This day determines the prosperity that's on us the rest of the year. This day. That's why God says every seed will reproduce after its own kind. On this day, we bring a wheat offering. This is the day that we bring our offering and that wheat offering opens the window of prosperity on us and God releases the prosperity that he has planned for us, not the sprinkling, but the outpouring that he has for us for the whole rest of the year. God says, my people destroy for what reason? Now, we've seen blessing. We've been tithing and we've all been given, but now we're going to see in the last days, we're going to see the end time of transfer of the wealth. Why has the wealth of the wicked been stored up? Why stored up? Because nobody's told us how to return in the first fruits. Now, I said that all to say this. God is today going to release prosperity, and that's why I begin to study this. But as I begin to study it in the last two weeks, some, uh, something different began to stir me. The anointing of God began to stir me. And as much as I'm excited about God opening the windows and pouring out the blessing on your business, on your truck driving, on whatever it is, and that will happen, what God's showing me in this today is more exciting than the outpouring of God's financial blessing. That is going to happen. But God said today is the beginning of the spiritual 
latter rain that I'm going to begin on the people that are in this building and watching this program. I'm going to pour out the latter rain and the latter rain with the anointing of God will be greater than the former. Somebody shout amen. Now I want you to hear what I'm saying by the spirit of God this day. The church world is going to change. The rabbis looking at everything that's happening on this calendar year According to scripture, they're saying the Messiah could come back this year, but if he doesn't come back this year, then he is going to raise up the children of miracles. I believe that because of what God is showing me, there is going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's going to start on us. It's going to spread through the world. This is the day the Lord has made. Somebody shout amen. Look with me in the book of Acts, chapter 1, starting with verse 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And I want you to notice Jesus began. The book of Acts is the only book in the Bible that has no end. Because the acts of the apostles and the acts of the disciples and the acts of the Holy Spirit never has an end. It's not to stop with the 12, but it is by God's prophetic word to pour out on you and I. And I want you to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today as we see what God did in the book of Acts in the first church. The promise of God is the glory, the manifestation of the power greater than these jesus said shall you do and the latter rain which is us the time the church the season to see the coming of the lord god promises that the latter rain of signs and wonders and miracles will be greater than the former can i have an amen the book of acts is to have no end until the day in which he was taken up after he through the holy spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he had also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many undeniable proofs, being seen by them 40 days and speaking. There's, the, there's that wonderful numerology, 40 days, 40 days in the wilderness, seen by them 40 days, 40 days in the ark. The numbers mean a lot. I know we're not taught that in, the, in Christian church, but numbers in the Bible mean a lot. This is the year of new beginning. Speaking things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together, look at this next word. Jesus commanded them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. For John truly baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now they lost their attention. Look at this next verse. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus is telling them that they're about to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the word Holy Spirit in Hebrew is roach, which means the breath of God. When we receive the Holy Spirit, it is God's living breath inside of us. And he said to them, it is not time for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power. That word power is in the Greek dunamos, where we get the word dynamite. 
you shall receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be a witness unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in the earth. In Jerusalem means a spiritual power, but in Samaria and in Judea, it is a financial power. So on this day, God releases financial power, and on this day, God releases spiritual power. We are the last church who will have it all to bring back the Messiah. Somebody shout amen. Amen. All right. Here we have the last words of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he commanded them, wait for the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 24, 49, he's telling them this again before this. And he says, I command you, tarry, for I will send the promise of the Father, but tarry in Jerusalem, for you will receive the power, the dunamos, the roca, the Spirit of God from on high. Now, I want you to notice a couple things. Number one, Jesus said, I command you, don't you leave until you receive the Holy Ghost. I don't say this to be cruel. I don't say this to be, to be, be, be sliding anything in any way. But we have settled for the Holy Ghost to be some kind of nonsense that goes on instead of being people who are filled with the breath of the living God so that there will be signs and wonders and miracles that are happening happening so that when they see the miracles and they see the signs and they see the wonders, not just from somebody in the pulpit, but from the people in the pews and in the schools and in the business places, they will know that the God we speak of is the living God because he backs it and confirms it with signs, wonders, and miracles. Can I have an amen? Amen. Now, I've told this story before, but it's so important I need to tell it again. Several years ago, when God was stirring me, when I came down here to Dallas, I said, I'm not going to talk about the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to be Pentecostal. I'm not going to do any of that because of all the nonsense we see on Christian television and in the church. And I'm not saying that to put anybody down because I did the same thing. I used to believe in order for me to look anointed, the more people that fell down, the more anointed I was. But you and I know that most of the time, 99.999% of the times we fall down, we're given a courtesy flop. Why do you think kids don't do it? Because they haven't learned to play the game yet. Now, I'm not saying that to belittle anybody. I did the same thing. And why do we do that? Because we're hungry for the power of God. We want the power of God. We know it's promised in there. And so we're willing to do whatever we have to do. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying there's a better thing. So the devil has done a great job of, take, of diluting the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Why is that? Because the Bible says, number one, there is a day in which the Holy Spirit falls. Now, I believe that God will touch us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, June, July, August. But there is an appointed time. There is a time on God's calendar, and it is called the day of Pentecost, when God, those who are in the right place at the right time, only on that day. Now, watch this. Why is this important? Because the Bible teaches us that we are leaky vessels. 32 years ago, I walked into church a heroin addict. 
32 years ago, I walked in the church, a, a drug addict and a drug dealer, and I got saved. God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I didn't even know what the Holy Ghost was, didn't want whatever it was, couldn't get up off the ground. And immediately, I began to see visions, and I've seen angels, and I've prophesied. But the Bible says that I'm a leaky vessel. And so for 32 years, even though I've got the promise of God, I've got the anointing of God, the Bible says that for 32 years I'm leaking because nobody's told me that Malachi said, return unto me and I'll return unto you. I'm not cast you away because I've got a covenant. And they said, how do we return? He said, three times a year on Passover, you come and do Passover. Jesus did Passover. We ought to do Passover. But then 50 days later, 50 being the number of Pentecost, on Jubilee, the reason why Jesus said, I want you to tarry until you get the promise, and I want you to tarry in Jerusalem. Why? Because it was on that day that God anointed his children from the temple of God, and on that day, he opened the windows of heaven. It wasn't an accident. They were in the right place at the right time. It was an appointed day. Somebody ought to clap their hands and praise him. You've heard me tell the story of John Maxwell who called me up and asked to meet with me. And he said, Larry, I've never met anybody that sees so many people, get so many people saved and get them set free and, and, and do this. He said, how do you do it? John Maxwell is from the Wesleyan group, the Methodist group, the Baptist group, the Presbyterian group. And I said, John, do you want to know? And I said, he said, yeah. I said, it's the power of the Holy Ghost. And he looked at me and he said, Larry, we want this. We want the power of the Holy Ghost. We don't want the carnival act that goes with it. And I say this to, to, to myself, that because I couldn't figure out how to get everybody healed and how to get everybody blessed, I was willing to settle for the show instead of the manifestation. But as I'm going to read tomorrow, God said, and he came and manifested his spirit on everybody. Gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, gifts of prophecy, gifts of tongues and interpretation. Folks, I want you to know something. I'm here today because a man called me out of a church building. I was still, I was saved. I've been saved about two weeks. I still had long hair and needle marks up and down my arms and earrings in my ears. And a man called me out and told me word for word what I just said to God and laid hands on me. And I flew five aisles in the air in the, on my back and I couldn't get up. And I was speaking in the Holy Ghost, didn't want it, wanted it to stop but he straddled me and he said God don't let him up until he's got the Holy Ghost and he knows it's from you I walked into that church a drug addict but I walked out of that church anointed with the Holy Ghost and the latter rain will be greater than the former somebody shout amen would you give the Lord a clap offering just for a moment We have settled for too little, but in the last days, God said the Gentiles' eyes will be open, and they say we've inherited unprofitable lies, and the anointing is coming. This is that day. The Bible says in Ephesians, he said to beware of the wiles of the devil. Now, I'm going to slow down because I want to teach this. 
Beware of the wiles. That word wiles means the strategies of the devil. I want you to think about the strategies of the devil. I can remember there was this thing going on when I first got saved and it began to sweep the church. You know, we need to just talk about only the good things, the nice things in the Bible. Let's not talk about the blood. There was even a move to write Bibles that removed every word of the blood in there. But my Bible says we're redeemed by the blood. My Bible says they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. You know, in Malachi, and I want to say this because I want to emphasize to you what God is saying to me. In Malachi, when it says, return unto me, and I'll return unto you. If you read Malachi 3.1, it says that, that there'll come a messenger that God will raise up a messenger and reconnect the people with the covenant promises of God. I've always heard that was John the Baptist, that John would come and prepare for the coming of the Lord. But if you read that, and it says, I will send a messenger, and he will bring you back to the covenant promises of God. As you read that, that cannot be John the Baptist, because the next verse says, and the Lord who will come suddenly to his temple. Number one is when Jesus came the first time, he did not come suddenly. He was born in a manger. Mary was pregnant nine months. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was bar mitzvahed on his 13th year when they couldn't find him and went back to Jerusalem, found him debating in the temple. He was crucified after three and a half years of the ministry. On the third day, he rose again. For 40 days, he walked with them, giving them undeniable proofs. There was nothing sudden about the coming of Jesus Christ. This prophecy concerning God pouring out his spirit this prophecy about God opening the windows of heaven this prophecy about God sending messengers that will bring the people back to the covenant promises of Moses this is not a first church prophecy this is a last church and we are in the last of the last days Israel has become a nation there is one generation you and I sitting in this building watching by television watching by stream who are saying I'm hungry for the things of God. We are the fulfillment of that end time prophecy. And today, God is going to open the windows of heaven and begin the outpouring that the rabbis say will be the children of miracles. And from this day, it will never stop again until the coming of the Messiah. Somebody give him praise and glory. Beware of the wiles, the strategies of the devil. Now I want you to think about this. In 1 John 5, it's talking about whoever is born of God is an overcomer of the world. How many know the Bible says we are more than conquerors? It goes on to say that whoever is born of God overcomes the world. They are more than conquerors. And then it goes on to say, and here is the victory, or here is the key to victory to him who overcomes the world. Watch this. Here is the key. Here is that victory to him who overcomes the world. Then he tells us what that is. It says it's the blood, it's the water, and it's the spirit. 
If we want to be more than conquerors, God has given to us the revelation of the key to be more than a conqueror. And he said, here it is. It is the blood, it is the water, and is the spirit. When Israel was coming out of Egypt, which is a shadow of the promise of things to come, when Israel was coming out of Egypt, God said, I want you to take the blood. How many places did Jesus shed his blood? Nobody's taught that until we've learned it. God said, my people destroyed for what reason? If I were to tell, even to this day, I were to go to some place and say, tell me, finish the scripture. We're redeemed by the, it could be 10,000 pastors. And they would say, by the blood. And I would say, where did Jesus shed his blood? And they would say, at Calvary. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus shed his blood in the garden to overcome the world. At the whipping post to overcome the world. At the crown of thorns to overcome the world. In his hands to overcome the world. In his feet to overcome the world. In his side to overcome the world at the gates of hell to overcome the world and this is the key we've got to know the blood and God said when you put the blood on your door I will stand in front of you and everyone you cover and I will make the angel of death the angel of drugs the angel of poverty the angel of divorce pass over you and all that are in your house somebody shout amen Beware of the wiles of the devil. Let's get rid of the blood. Let's just get rid of the blood. But my Bible says that we overcome the devil by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. If we don't know the blood, we can put the blood on our door and we send that devil out and he comes back and finds the door still open and he goes and gets how many demons? Seven demons, one for every place, that one for the garden, one for the whipping post, one for the crown of thorns, and on and on and on. And God has called this church in Dallas, Texas, on the year 08, to bring a new beginning to the blood throughout the world. And we're putting the blood on us, and that devil will not come back anymore. Somebody give the Lord a shout. Then he said, here's the key, the blood, the water. Israel put the blood, and I don't have time to get into this, but you got to understand when Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. He was not talking about receiving Jesus as Savior. You must receive Jesus. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Prince of peace. He is the only begotten Son of God. No man goes to the Father but him. He's the door. We know all of this. But when he said born again, you may call this a lamp. It doesn't make it a lamp. It's a towel. When we must be, quote, unquote, born again, say amen. Must be, say amen. But when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about being born again he couldn't mean you must receive me as savior jesus hadn't died yet he hadn't taken the sins of the world yet it's a different term that has supernatural power it means the birth through the baptismal tank of the water when israel put the blood on their door the angel of death passed by them then they were leaving bondage on the way to the promised land When they got to the Red Sea, here comes Pharaoh's army. Here comes the army. Yes, Pharaoh said, get out. 
Yes, they were leaving with all the silver and the gold, but the devil changed his mind. And he said, I'm going to go get them, and I'm going to bring them back. Yeah, they may, they may have had God set them free, but I'm going to bring them back into slavery. I'm going to bring them back into divorce. I'm going to bring them back into poverty. I'm going to bring them back into failure. I'm going to bring them back into all that I had over them. But when they walked through the water... When they walked through the water and they got on the other side, that water, the mikvah, the waters of the earth, the womb in Hebrew, it means the womb of the world. Those waters shut down the enemy and broke the curse of bondage forever. Somebody shout amen. Here is the key, the blood, the water, and the spirit. Look at this. Look at this. This is in Titus chapter 3. Let me read it to you. This is out of, out of the complete Jewish Bible. A friend of mine who wrote this, a Jewish believer in Jesus, lives in Jerusalem, David Stern. says, when the kindness of the love of mankind of God delivered was revealed, he delivered us. It was not. He delivered us. It was not on the ground of any righteous deed we'd done, but on the ground of his own mercy. He did it by the means Now, your Bible says regeneration of water. What does that mean? Let's read it in the original text. How did he deliver us? He delivered us by the means of the mikvah of rebirth and the renewal that's brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we get baptized, they said to Peter on the day of Pentecost, what must we do? He said, repent get baptized, and then receive the Holy Ghost. The the coming out of the water in Hebrew means a rebirth. Let me read from the ancient teachings of Judaism. The baptismal waters, the mikvah, in rabbinical teaching was referred to as, I quote, the womb of the world. As a new convert came out of the waters, it was considered a new birth, separating him from the limits of the pagan world. That's why God said you're in this world, but you're not of this world. As the convert comes out of the water, his status is, was changed, and he is referred to as a little child, as born again, as a child of one day. That's why they said to Peter, what must we do? And he said, repent. The moment you repent, the thief on the cross who said, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. He said, this day will you be in me in paradise. He never got baptized, never gave a tithe, never said a prayer. But by grace we are saved. But if we're not going to heaven today, they said, what must we do? And he said, repent and get baptized for the remission of sin. Repent, your sins are forgiven. Get baptized for the remission. The remission means because of the sin that's in the world, when you come out of that water, you are cleansed from the curse of failure that's in this world. Somebody shout amen. The curse of failure. Every time, there are six times, I don't have time to tell you, there are six times a Jewish, a child of God is told to get baptized. One of the last ones is when he is going into supernatural ministry. John the Baptist is baptizing people in the River Jordan. Why? To wash, to renew their minds so they could recognize the Messiah when he came. But here comes Jesus. 
And he says, John, baptize me. John said, no, Lord, you're the church. You baptize me. And he said, baptize me, John. That scripture will be fulfilled. Why? Because when Jesus was baptized, he was washing the limits, every limit, the highest level. And the Holy Ghost came upon him and he defeated the devil. And God began to do signs, wonders, and miracles. And now it's our turn. Somebody shout amen. A man could fall off a horse and be saved before he hits the ground. But if we want to be broken from the curses of this limited world, we may be in this world, but we're not on this world. On the day of Pentecost, they would come and they would dip their hands in the mikvah or they would wash in the mikvah. Why? To break the curses of this world. They would bring their seed. And as they bring their seed, it would open the windows of heaven. And on this day, as they broke the curse, planted their seed, God filled the world with the Holy Ghost and fire. That was the birth of the first church. Today is the rebirth of the last church and the outpouring of his off. Somebody ought to clap their hands. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, when the day... The 50th day after Passover, look at me, not the 49th day, not the 51st day, not the 275th day, on the day of Pentecost, an appointed time with God. Three times a year you come before me. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, suddenly there came a sound from heaven and a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Look at me right now. They were not sitting in an upper room. They were not sitting in an upper room. They met in an upper room. If you go to the original transcript of this, they were sitting in the house of God. Why? Because it was the day of Pentecost. And all the Jewish men... They weren't, they weren't up in an upper room a half a mile away with the window shut and the door shut, hiding, and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost came on them and men inside the temple a half a mile away heard them? No, they were in the right place at the right time, and now you are the temple of God. Come on, don't be an old wineskin. you got to go and read what it says. They were in the house. Yes, they had met in an upper room. Yes, they had done Passover in that upper room. But on the day of Pentecost, at the third hour... God's people were told you must be in the house. Why? That was the day they celebrated the giving of the Torah. But the prophecy was that on the day of Pentecost, one day God would go beyond giving the word and he would give the spirit of God and the wisdom of God and the revelation of God. And it would not just fill a building, but it would fill the people. So men came from all around the world. And on that day, God opened the windows of heaven. Why? Because they had obeyed the voice of God. Now look what it says. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven. Why? Because they came in. It's the day. Three times a year you come before me and you don't come before empty-handed. Look at verse 12. And they were all amazed and perplexed and saying to one another, what could this mean? And others mocking, saying, there must be full of new wine. But Peter standing up with the 11. Look at me. Look at me. He's sitting, they're sitting in the, in, the, in, the, in the temple of God. There's the courtroom where they sit as the minister is bringing the first fruits. So all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fills. And Peter didn't get up and walk a half a mile and bring her. Peter stood up in the house. The Holy Ghost is not outside the house. The Holy Ghost is inside the house. And you, somebody shout me. You are the house of God. Look what he says. Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known unto you and heed my words. These are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour. It was the third hour on Mount Sinai that God met with Moses and thunder and lightning and fire. And it was on the third hour, on the day of Pentecost, when they were bringing their first fruits, that God opened the windows of heaven and poured out love, thunder and lightning and fire. And it is on this day today that as we come and we break ourselves from the curse of the limits of this world and we bring our first fruits, that God is going to once again return us unto the beginning as it was but the latter rain will be greater than the former somebody shout amen somebody shout it's my turn i was praying before i came down and god said go to this scripture turn with me to ezekiel chapter 36 i promise you the reason i was late coming in today is i was praying 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 please lord let them see what you're saying and God said, Ezekiel 36, look at what it says, Ezekiel 36, 24, for I will take you from a nun among the nations. Look at, look at me a second. I will take you from among the Gentiles and gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, the mikvah of the break and the curse and you shall be cleansed, and I will cleanse you from all the filthiness from your idols. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you, and I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you will dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from your uncleanness and I will call the grain. I will call for the grain. Look at me on the day of Pentecost on the on Passover. We bring the barley offering, but on the day of Pentecost, you bring the grain offering. Look what God is saying. This is a word from God. A few moments ago, he said on the day I will call for the grain 
and I will multiply it. There's your prosperity and bring no famine on you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees, the increase of your fields, so that you need never again to bear the reproach of famine amongst the nations. What is God saying to us by his voice today? On the day that you get a message from heaven to return unto me, there are three keys, the blood, the water, and the Holy Spirit. And on this day, we've already received the blood. We're going to break the failure of this world. We're going to bring our offering. And God said, when that day you bring the grain, I will cleanse you with clean water and I will give you a new spirit. Today, God is going to plug the hole and refill the vessel. Somebody give him praise and glory.